This is Creators in Vietnam with Tuesi and Moni. We aim to inspire you on your journey by interviewing creative entrepreneurs across Vietnam who make a positive impact on their community and their own lives. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We had the pleasure to sit down with Laurent Du, the owner of Bento Bistro and recently Oliver's Pizza. Originally from France, Laurent hopes to bring a fresher look of French cuisine to Vietnam and introduce another Paris to his Asian counterparts. The Paris that he grew up in with familiar yet exciting tastes. In this episode, we took the time to talk about how he followed his passion and traded a good salary in Paris for the Vietnam minimum wage in order to gain F&B experiences. How COVID-19 gave him the opportunity to launch his own F&B business in Bento Bistro and his constant growth by staying curious, diligent, while taking advantage of the opportunities that Vietnam has to offer. Welcome back to another episode of Creators in Vietnam. This is Tuesi and Moni. How Hello. are you? So today we have an amazing guest, which is Laurent Du. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> we wanted to start the new year in a lighter mood, and it's been a while we didn't have a guest from the F&B sector. So Laurent is actually a resident of Pham Viet Chan. He's actually originally from France, and today in Vietnam he's the owner of Bento Bistro. Yes. And recently you took over Oliver's Pizza too. Yeah. And then well. you're inside the Lou Bar. Yes. So if it. anyone is asking. Basically, Laurent and his partner, Will, that we interviewed last year, are taking over Pham Viet Chan. Uh, <laughs> so this is going to be a good interview for us to catch up a little bit between, uh, you know, with you first to know who is the other part of the team, to catch up on what you and Will have been doing, and to know more about who you are, Laurent, as an individual, as a human being, with your interesting story. So how are you, Laurent? Uh, great, and you? Yeah. Welcome, Laurent. Welcome, welcome. So let's get into it. Let's not waste any time. <laughs> <laughs> So before we talk about, you know, all the good things that you're doing here in Vietnam, I want to know, where did you grow up? Obviously, France, but yeah. where exactly and how and how was Vietnam represented in your life while growing up? Uh, <clears throat> I was born in Canada, Montreal. First nice. surprise yeah. of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then my parents divorced, so I went back to France. So I was two years old, so mm -hmm. I don't really have any memories of Canada. Okay. Uh, so I grew up in Maison-Alfort, next to Paris. Mm -hmm. It's a very small city next to Paris, like five minutes uh, subway to Paris. Uh, so I did all my schools there until the end of prep school. So after graduating, I've been, I went to um, Grenoble for mm -hmm. engineering studies. So it was the first time I quit Paris. So yeah. I, I've spent mostly 20 years in Paris before leaving the, the city. And it was just for five, three years engineering school. And then I went back to Paris again. Yeah. Then when I came back to Paris, after my studies, I was a consultant yeah. in energy for okay. an engineering side. So I was doing uh, a bit of data uh, management, a bit of consulting management. Mm -hmm. And after two years, to be honest, let's say that uh, I wasn't excited by my job anymore. Yeah. And uh, with my old roommate, we had this kind of dream to open our own restaurant. Uh -huh. But you know, it was, we had a different perception of F&B back then. Like yeah. uh, we didn't know all the real truth behind uh, having your own restaurant. Yeah, yeah. So I went back several times in Vietnam. To, uh, I went back when I was four, no memories. <laughs> <laughs> After that, I came back, I was 18. Yeah. I didn't like it that much. Let's say I came back for like 
five days yeah, just yeah. see uh, a little bit the family and we didn't go out of the way it was very touristic and <laughs> the visit was uh, was okay and uh, in 2019 i came back just in holidays i was still working as a consultant then yeah and uh, i came back here with uh, with a friend and we spent maybe five days here and uh, it was really 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 nice <laughs> <laughs> so you like keep spending five days in vietnam like yeah, not extending days. the five days <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it was uh, five days in saigon and yeah. um it was pretty quick but i really like the vibe i really like the people so basically i went back home after this trip in vietnam and i quit the the day the my first day at work i quit And I told my roommate, okay, I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna travel. I'm gonna learn cooking. Uh, I'm gonna be a chef. And <laughs> when I come back in France, uh, we'll open a restaurant. All right. That, that was the deal. And uh, he's like, okay, I'm staying in France. And I'm looking for some money. And uh, we'll meet up <laughs> when you come back. That, that was the, the first that's, plan. That's the premise. Okay, perfect. <laughs> hold, on, hold on to that thought. Uh, we're gonna talk about this a little bit later. But I want to go back, if it's okay. Yeah. I want to go back to before you're in Vietnam. <laughs> but so... Let's let's backtrack to little Laurent. <laughs> so after you came, so that that period in Maison Alfort, how yeah. was growing up in France? To be honest, uh, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be able to define being young in France for the audience like that. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, it's deeply different from growing up in Vietnam. Yeah, it's a yeah, fact. Sure. But well, I grew up in a small apartment, playing a lot of video games, mm -hmm. hanging out with friends. <laughs> I'm curious, like, what made you choose at the end engineering? And because I grew up in an environment where everybody was in finance, engineering. My dad was an engineer. I wonder, like, how you came to engineering, and then, it's, yeah, like, I, I guess it's the the Asian cliche. Had <laughs> 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 few choices, but so the thing is, uh, my, my mom just told me get a degree and do whatever you want after. Yeah, I had uh, the same. <laughs> it was kind of true. To be honest, to okay, uh, I did like science and math, but at some point I had good grades. I was a good student, I guess. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life <laughs> at school. So they said, okay, you have good grades. You should choose that path. Uh, you should go to prep school. Uh, I, I don't know if you know. Prep school in France, uh, prepa, we call it, is after high school. You have, you have those schools that you go for one or two years that prepares you for the big universities. Yeah. So you pass the yeah. exams and stuff like that. They're really, the really hard. You have an exams and everybody's ranked and mm -hmm. the first choose the school he wants and uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the last one. So you seem like uh, you, had, you were a good student. Maybe you were even the nerdy cliche of Asian kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what uh, made you and your friends really interested in FMB? Like what was it that made you be fascinated i don't know do you like food or what was it uh, really yeah obviously I, i love food we were cooking a lot after once I, i i moved from my mom's place i start to cook a lot try to figure out some recipes trying some some dishes and uh, failing mm -hmm. and uh, keep trying to me that dream was a kind of freedom you know in my mind it was like you have a, a restaurant it works well and you work whenever you want and you have friends coming and you cook for them and At the uh. end of your shift, you close the door and then you open the nice bottle of wine and it's uh, <laughs> a romantic. Yeah. <laughs> no, and then you you you're drinking and uh, yeah. it's the nice part of the business, let's say. Yeah. And uh, we're like, I was like, we're still young, and yeah. I still can do it. And the fact that I have my my engineering degree, 
pushed me like, okay, in the end, even if you fail, you still have a degree, you still sure. can have a kind of backup. And that's why I'm kind of happy I did those studies. Yeah. And it keeps, it's still helpful uh, in my everyday <laughs> life, to be honest. Do you have <laughs> any uh, siblings? No. You're just the only son? Yeah. And then can I ask you more about the relationship with you and your parents? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so like... Because it's interesting, like we're talking about cliches here. And so to go back to one of the information that I did not know is it's not very typical for Asian parents to divorce, actually. So how did you experience all of this growing up? And how is your mom now? She's really well. Yeah. Uh, I I think I got her on the phone the other day. (laughs) She's great. Let's say that... When I was young, lots of my friends had divorced parents. In France, yes. In France. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it wasn't something annoying or I didn't feel disturbed <laughs> by that. I just grew up like that and I didn't ask myself that much questions. It's my point of view and I know that some people think very differently. Of course, yeah. But I don't think there's a real value to dig too much the past. And so did you have any contact with your father? after? Not really. Still not? Not really. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so it was just you and your mom? Yeah. And how's your relationship with your mom? Good? The the more I grew up, uh, the better I get. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And now, now, now that I'm older and uh-huh. uh, we have more step backs, and, uh, yeah, it's going on really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, so how invested she is in your life? <laughs> right now? To be honest, I'm not a very good son. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, we, we keep talking. We try to keep in touch like at least once a month and she called to take news and yeah. I explain her what I'm doing. But she didn't have the occasion to come here mm-hmm. after I start Bento Bistro and everything. We, we wait for <laughs> the borders to reopen. <laughs> yeah, typ- typical question, but did you grow up talking Vietnamese to her? Yeah. She was very Vietnamese. Like, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in your parents' story a little bit. Sorry. Yeah, but no, like, no problem. How did they end up in Canada? My father is Canadian. Ah, okay, he's Canadian so, Vietnamese? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so he was living in Canada, so my mom, when they married, uh, my mom moved to follow him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and after, when they divorced, my mom said, okay, the rest of the family is still in France, so mm. there's no point for her to stay in Canada. I see. And uh, she came back. I see. But uh, yeah, I grew up speaking Vietnamese. I cannot read uh, now write. Because I had to learn French first. (laughs) (laughs) Like how uh, Vietnamese would you consider yourself? Sorry? How Vietnamese would you consider yourself? I don't know. Oh, how strong was your Vietnamese identity when you were growing up? Up until 20, I guess, like, you know. Well, I don't know. Nobody ever asked me that. That's interesting, (laughs) to be honest. I'd say, I don't know. At least 25%, even more, 30% at least. Like when I was young and we were in the streets with my mom, we were talking and we had that thing like when we don't want people around us to understand what we're saying, we're speaking (laughs) Vietnamese, which is the comfort that some expats lived with here in Vietnam Vietnam because uh, when they they speak English or French or Mm -hmm. German in the streets, nobody understands them. Practically nobody understands them. And uh, so I, I had that feeling uh, since I'm young, which yeah. is quite nice. <laughs> uh, Secret language. <laughs> yeah, that, Did you do this in Hungary too? I mean, I was just speaking Vietnamese with my mom. It's like a natural kind of... Oh, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, my dad, my dad, we were speaking French most of the time. And then we, when we wanted to insult people in France <laughs> on the subway, we would switch to... Uh, and my, with my sisters and brother too. It was like, uh, with my mom, we had our, our moment. Like some yeah. subject, we were speaking French. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for example, politics, uh, the work, the serious subject, we were speaking French. 
when we just hang around and just want to talk and stuff, we, we speak in Vietnamese, yeah. mostly. <laughs> so going away from family background that okay I, I just want to imagine like how it was when you romanticized that uh, idea of having a restaurant and then uh, you know hanging out with your friends like in the movies <laughs> <laughs> so when was the time when reality hit you like I don't know how this this whole journey started I guess toward uh, uh, being a chef mm, probably when I start uh, Bento Bistro Not, yeah. not because before starting Ben to Bistro, I work in two restaurants uh, at Le Corto uh, in D1 and uh, at Mama Sense after. So I was still a line cook. But when I start my own business, I realize all the, the other face yeah, of yeah, uh, yeah. a business. Uh, <laughs> all the accounting, all the legal, tax, yeah, yeah. Uh, all the small issues you have to fix <laughs> every day. All the, okay, and you there's a problem with that stuff, you need to print this, you need to buy this uh-huh. stuff, we need this in emergency, customer complain, and in the end you never have time for yourself to <laughs> end up like, whew, yeah, yeah. sit down a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> so, so how many days so far did you have that dream day <laughs> where you sit down, you open that bottle of wine, everything is good? We try to do it every two weeks with Will. Yeah. To have yeah. sit down, have a chill nice. break, and to, to have a bit of step back on what we're doing, like, Yeah. trying to keep that balance uh, to not be too much running 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 yeah, yeah, but yeah. for example December was a was a great and very long and very hard month mm-hmm. but uh, in the end of the month we were happy so that was the yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the thing and how was it for you to transition from engineering to cooking or you actually had such a love for cooking in in any way that for you it was like it's such an easy transition from yeah, your previous like, life Yeah, uh, when I quit, lots of friends tell me, like, are you sure it's kind of risky mm-hmm. and you never work in the kitchen? Maybe I was like, yeah, but it's the occasion to try. And at least if I don't like it, I, I just have to quit. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not that yeah. hard, to be honest. And I, I don't know. It, to me, it wasn't a big decision. Mm-hmm. I came back home after my trip in Vietnam. I was already thinking about quitting, uh, but it gave me the the push, like, okay, just, just do it. And uh In the worst case, you live like six months, one year, and you come back. And uh, if, if yeah. you feel like uh, you want to do something else, just do it. And when I came back here, I was looking for a job. I have a short list of restaurants. I was like, okay, maybe they will accept to take me. And uh, at Le Corte, it was pretty easy because I was speaking French. I was mm. speaking English and Vietnamese. So it was pretty convenient for them. And I was like, okay, of course, we, we will give you the chance. Uh, And uh, okay, the salary was very <laughs> low. <laughs> I was earning the, the minimum wage. Minimum wage, yeah. which is? <laughs> which is 5 million uh, Vietnamese dong. Oh, wow. Uh, a month. But uh, the thing is, okay, I had some savings when I quit France. And you cannot buy experience. So uh, it takes time. So I, I accept to, okay, I'm going to learn. I'm going to take this. I have no choice if I want to improve. I have yeah. to, to start somewhere. So I had that chance to... <laughs> Like, did you get a paper before coming to Vietnam about like like a course on cooking or something? Or you completely started your oh, cooking yeah, I, uh, learning I here? Starting here, ah. I got nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hands <laughs> in my pocket and. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so hi, I just love cooking. Can you hire me? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty. I don't. I, I want to say brave. <laughs> What was your safety net in your head? Like, how can you be so brave to be like, okay, I'm gonna, because you had a good lifestyle in France. I'm pretty yeah. sure you had a good yeah. salary. Yes. 
you had a good lifestyle. I think you were living inside of Paris at this point. Your yeah. own apartment, everything good. Yeah. And then you go, okay, I'm just going to fucking go and learn <gasps> cooking in Vietnam in a local Vietnamese kitchen. For five million. For, five, for $250. <laughs> no, 200 euros, not even per yeah. month. The thing is, uh, I wasn't supposed to stay that long in Vietnam. I was thinking about learning for one or two years, one year and a half, and maybe moving in another country. I was looking at Japan. I was looking at from mm. Taiwan. You have to start something and uh, mm. you have to start somewhere. I, I cannot really explain uh, how I was feeling back then. I was just like, okay, I'm going to try to do it. And I liked it since the first day. I liked to be in the kitchen and I liked to... And uh, I was learning new stuff every day as much as I can. I was looking what everybody was doing and I was like, okay, show me that. Why are you doing that way? It's writing a lot, taking a lot of notes, trying to learn as much as possible. So the time I spent there, even if I was earning not that much money, I forced myself to make it uh, very profitable for me mm-hmm. as experience because yeah. it, it wasn't only about the salary, yeah, yeah. but I, I guess m- most of the chef will tell you like before being the chef, yeah. you don't really work in the kitchen for money. There is a, <laughs> a certain harshness <laughs> to be a line cook. <laughs> And so how did you keep that passion for you? Like, because you did not work with any kitchen before. Yeah. And then after that first day, what made you come to that second day? And after that, what made you come to that week, to that month? To be honest, Le Corto was really fun. I had a really, really good team. They really took care of me, the whole team. Yeah. Uh, they were really interested in what I was doing in that kitchen. Uh, <laughs> why I quit France, why, why, yeah, why I didn't yeah. learn cooking in France. And they teach me a lot. They took really care of me and it was a very chill yeah. vibe. And it was like a small family, I'd say. Oh, so like nobody was yelling at you, like chef style, oh, this is uh, shit job. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> What is this sauce? When, when, you, when you do shit, of course they yell okay, at you, yeah, but yeah. Uh, after you, it, it's you and yourself, you, you know you did shit in general. Yeah. <laughs> it also sounds a more fun way as a start in, the, in this industry because I, I learned more about hospitality because I also had like a degree also a bit in hospitality mm-hmm. but i never went into the practical part which is catering and then cooking mm-hmm. and all of that but I, ha- i have a friend who did that and i don't know how is it in france but in hungary it's like when you start out it's just like you really do a job for barely a minimum wage uh-huh. and then it's not a fun job at the no, beginning because you just clean and and then do yeah, basic you're cleaning, things you're cutting veggies all, all, yeah. all day and uh, The thing is, uh, at Le Corto, if you want to do something else, you want to do more, you have to be faster. So yeah, you have yeah. to be quick and you, you have to do all of your job has to be done quickly. And once it's done uh, and they have time to teach you other things, they will teach you. So, so you're a man that reacts very well under pressure? Yeah. 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 I, like I work really, really well on pressure. Yeah. Wow. But I think <laughs> it's because of prep school. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you... Like I work way better in, under pressure than if I have no deadline and even yeah. today. Yeah, and yeah. After I went to Mama Sense, which was a totally different kitchen, uh, it was an open kitchen. It was a very, very interesting experience because let's say that uh, Le Corto teach me creativity and how to be efficient. Mm-hmm. And Mama Sense really teach me the, the basis. I had a, there was a French chef there, Frédéric Tevenet. And he's the old French chef, old school guy, uh, <laughs> yelling at the... <laughs> oh, so you had that experience. But, uh, <laughs> he, he, was, he was very hard with me, but in the end, it worked. Even today, he's still helping me. Like, uh, he gives me advices. But I guess it's 
how he learned the cooking, how he learned to be a chef was mm-hmm. that way. You know, it's old school in France, like uh, people like all the cliche of people getting yelled at and stuff like yeah. that. It's their way to, to teach you. But at the end of the day, if you have any questions, if uh, you want to learn something, you just need to ask and they have nothing to hide in the end because yeah, it's yeah. just knowledge and experience that you're looking for. And I, I think people in the kitchen, they like th- that mindset. It's not about hiding the, the recipes and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the big difference between here and France because I was talking to a lot of cook that had some experience in France. And they told me back then when they were in, in France, Paris, Lyon, uh, it's if you want to have some recipes, uh, it took you years to know the whole recipe. Mm-hmm. You have like uh, <laughs> 10% of the recipe to make maybe only the sauce or how to cook this, how to cook that. But in the end, they try to keep it secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas here, you want something, uh, okay, take it. <laughs> uh, you, you can have the recipe, but uh, would it be better than uh, the guy who's doing it? Which is the most interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I find it more open. And mm-hmm. uh, Viet- Vietnamese people are, are also willing to share their knowledge. And, and even now, uh, I still have some friends working in F&B and sometimes I need help. Okay, I, I want to make a sauce with that taste. Do you have any ideas? And mm-hmm. they can give you clues and stuff. Just, just for precision, sorry to cut you off. But like when you said Vietnamese share easier, are you talking about the people that are also the expat No, living in Vietnam or Vietnamese local working in F&B? I'd say Vietnamese in general. Even yeah. uh, all of the chefs I work with never hide anything from me. Yeah, yeah. So... No French drama? <laughs> no, no, no drama, nothing. <laughs> so But, it's... Uh, yeah. The, um, the F&B in Vietnam is still young. Mm-hmm. It's You have still... You have already a lot of businesses and you have a wide choice of food. But uh, you still can come mm. up with something very simple and create yeah, a yeah. good hype. Yeah, That's yeah. what we did with Bento. Uh, I didn't innovate yeah. or create. So it's, it's just it was the concept was more about uh, good quality, fresh food, and uh, yeah. this is how we reach. Uh, so, so I don't know much about F&B business to be very honest with you. Uh, but how do you place you your profile? Laurent, you know, that very atypical profile. Is there a lot of you <laughs> in the F&B business? Someone that was in consulting, you know, come here and then to learn cooking, get into a kitchen? I'm really not sure. Yeah. Not, not, not doing that typical parkour in Vietnam, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think there's some people who did, rec- like, who were doing another business, other job out yeah. of F&B and who try to switch into F&B. I, I yeah. think there's people doing that. And in, in Vietnam, I think there's probably quite a lot of people. Yeah. I, I usually meet those profiles maybe a little bit older. Yeah. Like to switch at such a young age for you gives you that very atypical profile. We're <laughs> running after time. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's better to... It, that, that was my thinking. Like when, when I was in France, uh, I, I was telling myself, I, I don't want to end up at 40-year-old and being like, okay, I, I don't like my job. I want to change everything. I uh, want to quit. And you, yeah. you know, you, you have a family, you have a, you have loan, you have debt, and you're like, I'm not really sure. Okay, you can do it. You always can do, make a, a change. That's a fact. But it gets harder. The more, more the, stuck the, in the system. The, the, the yeah. older you are, the, yeah. the harder it gets. For sure. And I was yeah. like, okay, now I have no attach. Um, my, my mom is still in good health. <laughs> so I, I still can travel. I still can go around and I still can do mistake. 
and which is the yeah. most important. I really like the the way you did it because I got ordered completely disencouraged about the hospitality and F&B business like very early on. Like when you see what's going on in university, the things that they teach you, it's just like it's killing you. It's killing your energy, your creativity. So I think what you did is like it's perfect because you just like learn by doing. And what I hear that you got actually good mentors yeah. along the way who who help you to to learn everything from scratch and you also kind of exploit the opportunities that Vietnam give because I fear this vibe that when you come to Vietnam actually there are just so many things that you can still do that you could just take advantage of this like freedom yeah. of not having rigid rules that I imagine they mm. are in France especially in the F&B uh, yeah. business yes, like yes, yes. when uh, can you call yourself a chef and then yeah. those kind of it's, rules it's also that Like Vietnamese people are pretty open-minded about food because most of them didn't really travel around and mm -hmm. they don't have like, okay, this is how you make a kebab, for example. This is how you make a cordon bleu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how you make braised beef. There's no pattern for them. So you can come up with uh, what's in your mind yeah, yeah, yeah. and they will like embrace it or hate it. <laughs> but yeah. in the end, they will not judge you on uh, how you do it. Yeah, It's yeah, just, yeah. okay, I like this. Okay, I don't like that. It's the big difference yeah. within France, you know, yeah, where, yeah. when you come up with something, okay, did you do it that way? Because this is how you should do it. Because in the books, there's <laughs> gener generational recipes yeah, from yeah. like grandmother <laughs> to grandmother, and like they're so proud of like you go yeah. like this. So you don't have this here. I mean, you don't have yeah. this when you don't talk about Vietnamese cuisine. Yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, when you talk about Vietnamese, try to do a pho. <laughs> I don't know. There's so many ways to make a pho. Yes, uh, and. People are just like, okay, I like that fur. I, I don't like the other one because yeah, yeah. Uh, it's northern, southern style or mm -hmm. whatever. But yeah. anyway, there's so many recipes for one dishes in yeah. Vietnam. But when I was so right now, do you still want to be a chef? At some point, yes, but not for my own business mm -hmm. right yeah. now. So let's talk a little bit about your growth then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like you've grown so much. We So we touched upon your childhood. We've uh, looked a little bit at your transition here to Vietnam. And I feel like actually, you know, working at Le Corto and Mama Sense was just uh, the beginning. But your big growth happened when you actually connected with Lubar and, yeah. and Will. So how did this whole experience happen? And how did it change the way you see now working in a kitchen, the F&B business for you? So <laughs> I moved in Lubar two weeks before the first COVID lockdown in Vietnam. Oh. So Timing. February <laughs> 2020. 2020. Yeah. yeah. And so it was, uh, we were living in here. So we were eight people. So there used to be Kim from Panam. There was to be Will, my girlfriend, and some friends living upstairs. Yeah. So we had a really fun time. It was a kind of break of two, <laughs> of one, a month and a half. Uh, yeah. You like, you can breathe. And it was pretty stressful for Will. Because uh, yes. he opened four, four months before the, the first lockdown. He was like, okay, I'm in the shit. <laughs> and then I, I, I went back to Le Corto Mama Sense. And after Mama Sense, I had some visa issues and work permit issues. So I had to stop. And uh, I was planning to leave to Japan <laughs> with my girlfriend. And uh, Kim closed Panam. Yeah. And uh, Will told me, okay, I have mm. a free kitchen. Do you want to start something? And it was like November. We were in November. I so, said, okay. Let's give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we team up with Will and another person. We were three at the beginning. And uh, we start to experience some... some. We were doing some rice bowls. So mm -hmm. a very particular type. 
And after two months, he wasn't really working, to be honest. We start to think, okay, what's the problem? Why isn't, isn't it working? Even if we were happy about the food, it turns out like we tried to change uh, everything because we wanted to do something that looks more like us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was like, okay, there's a really lack of French food on delivery in Ho Chi Minh. You, and we love French food. And if you want to have French, back then, if you wanted to have French food, it was pretty expensive because it was Le Corto, it was uh, La, yeah. La Villa in, mm-hmm. in Taudin. Everything was really expensive. So we're like, okay, let's try to come up with something really cheap. Okay, cheap around like 200K and uh, affordable and that can be delivered easily. So we're like, okay, we're in the Japanese area of Bintan. Bento, it's a good format to deliver food. In Japan, you go to the train station, you have like bento, bento everywhere food. and it's not very expensive. It's a balanced meal. And it was the whole concept was, okay, we want to do French balanced food. So like when we were young, you know, you have a, a carb, a yeah. proteins, some veggies and a small dessert. And after that, yeah. you're not hungry anymore. You, you can yeah. eat more, but you're not hungry anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's so true. Yeah. So, so that, that, that was the point. Yeah. And uh, so we came up with the idea of bento bistro, uh-huh. which was like a very classic French dishes into bento boxes. And uh, we wanted to make it totally custom because we knew Vietnamese like to choose every... Like, for example, even you go to Pizza for Peas, you want two pizza. Uh, you can combine two pizza into only one. Uh, so uh, th- it's uh, very convenient for yeah. the customer. So we were thinking, okay, if we're doing it Bento Bistro, uh, it's going to be the same. People will be able to pick, to create their own box. And uh, this is how we start. So right, right after Tet holidays, it, it starts to work really, really well. We had a good hype when we opened and we improved the recipes day yes. after day. And COVID happened again. Uh-huh. beginning uh, J- July so we were in the middle of a very nice hype and uh-huh. uh, everything stopped for three months it was pretty hard then we reopened we reopened differently with the new product we start frozen food because we said okay if a lockdown like that happened again mm-hmm. we want to be able to keep serving people yeah. so we have some pre-cooked meal frozen and we start again the bento as well and so who's your audience who do you want to reach I want to reach Vietnamese because to me, it's an easy way to discover how French people eat is by seeing like all those dishes, you know, mashed potato, we used to have green peas, sauteed tomatoes, mushrooms. Mm -hmm. For example, my staff, they say, okay, I never eat the mushrooms like that. Usually they boil mushrooms and uh, having them sauteed with butter on a pan Mm -hmm. is something different for them. So it's kind of way to make them travel you know yeah. to be like okay this is how we eat in france so it's at the same time traditional in the food yeah. but more modern in the the display of the box because yeah. we, we got some feedbacks people telling us that it's french food why you don't put it in a plate where you have to bring <laughs> a bento but mm-hmm. i was like it's more convenient for for delivery yeah. for example you order you're far from here the food takes 20 minutes to come to your place Mm -hmm. you don't want everything to be mixed so it turns out that the format was really convenient for us and for the customer and uh, we wanted this effect you know when you open the box and uh, you have all the smells coming out and and coming to you and you're like wow okay this is uh i've tried the box a few times i've tried the uh, the cordon bleu and the duck very very good Uh, so uh, even french people 
I, approve, me, approve the. I, I, I totally approve, and he's very right. The first time I had it, I was like, "This is the taste of, of school kitchen." Like, it, it, so it brings you back. Like, you know, it's not mom's food, obviously, because I, as a Vietnam, as a Vikio, I didn't grow up with those food at home, really, or it was frozen cordon bleu. Yeah. Like <laughs> but like a canteen, you know, right? Like canteen. <laughs> so when I had it, it brought me back to that French childhood, which was mostly at school, and it was like just like. Oh, this is comfort for me. I don't know if you have it. Like I'm, I also I'm Hungarian, and I grew up also Hungarian food in the canteen of school, which yeah. is obviously not the best quality. But if you start with that canteen, yeah. then for me it's already like a perfect food. <laughs> uh, but I know that my Hungarian friends would say like, "Oh, it's like this is shit," or mm. not necessarily shit, but like it's not authentic like not that pure 100% authentic and I'm not saying like your yours is not authentic we keep the same menu as the canteen but the way we make it the way we execute it is very different mm, than the way from the way you do it in the canteen <laughs> and, uh, yeah of course we, we, which makes the difference mm. I, I have a quite good French audience like we were mostly targeting Vietnamese because we knew At some point, French people will like it because we make French people try. Yeah. I got some friends come up and they liked it because, yeah. for example, there was not that much cordon bleu in town uh, <laughs> when we, we start. And uh, even braised beef, the bœuf bourguignon. Yeah, the mashed you, potato you, too. Mashed you, potato, yeah. you, you don't find it that often in town. So whenever you have some, I, I guess the feeling is like, oh yeah, it, it reminds me home. Which is why it was a guess that there was a demand for, for French food. And uh, D1 was already set up for French food, uh, D2 mm. as well. But here in Bintan, which is very center, from here I can deliver the whole city. Yeah. Nothing existed yet back mm. then, so okay. I'd say let's let's give it a try. And uh, we really push hard to to have the Vietnamese audience, French audience, and uh, it turns out that we have also a lot of English people because they love mashed potato as well. So he. It turns like, out that, uh, yeah. yeah, it's and it's a fair price as well. So it's, a it's also about the amount of food we give. It, it took us a little bit of time to find the balance because mm -hmm. obviously expats, it's way more than uh, Vietnamese. Yeah. We need to try to find that balance uh, to have enough food for the expats, but not too much food for Vietnamese because uh, it's cultural. For example, even some Japanese customers told me, There's a bit too much food, and in Japan we don't throw away food, so they force themselves wow. to eat everything, and then they feel really full. And they're like, yeah, it's too much. I think for for lunch, it's uh, more than enough for yeah. everyone. It's a, even a bit too much for Vietnamese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I have more Vietnamese uh, for dining, okay. for for dinner time. All right. Enough uh. about your customer. Enough mm -hmm. about Bento Bistro. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy for you, <laughs> but let's go back to you as a as a person and your growth within all of this. So, how much did you learn? with this whole experience with Bento Bistro? I learn a lot. I, I really, really learn a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I keep learning every day. I keep doing mistakes okay. and yeah. uh, try to fix. Because the position that... Okay, so let's, let's talk about the role that you have. You're not really a cook anymore. You're not really no. a chef anymore. You're more of an entrepreneur at this point, opening F&B business or taking back with yeah. the knowledge of cooking. Yeah. So where do you see you grow next? <laughs> I try to know my limits. Uh, mm -hmm. what I can do and, and then try to surround myself with people who can help me. This is the best advice that uh, Peter Franklin gave me uh, from Anand. Uh, I, I talked a lot to him. He's really helped me. So on the vision of you have to know your limits and uh, you have to know what you can do and you cannot, you're not allowed to serve 
something bad to the customer. It's this is the the first rule of F&B. It has to be perfect for the customer all of the time. Yeah. And from that, you have to know. Okay, this is why uh, I source a good chef to come and back me up. So I have more time to take care of all the problems. Mm-hmm. And this is how now I'm working also with uh, Joe from Kebabi, who is giving me advices for marketing and business-wise in general, because he's also a good entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kebabi is a good successful story. So, um, and other, I have a lot of people around me who are advising me about uh, what I can do. I, I always have so many questions. Yeah, oh, yeah. Should I do this? Is it right? Uh, and mm-hmm. and then you you have to just do it, make the mistakes, fall fast, and start again. Yeah. And and just be realistic about what you can do, what kitchen size you have, and what you can really produce. I have so many ideas about dishes we can come up with, but you know we are j- right before Tet. It's pretty hard to mm-hmm. hire new staff right now. And the point was like, even for Christmas and ho- the, the holidays, people were asking me, are you doing some special dishes for the holidays, for Christmas and for New Year's? And I said, I would like to, but I cannot because uh, I'd rather make something good consistently okay, yeah, uh, yeah. with the food here yeah. uh, than trying to make something new and uh, make some mistakes. Yeah. And it's the same with Lubar in general and uh, how we work with Will. Uh, we try to know our limits, mostly times. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we do it on time? Can we... Have the res- do we have the resource to do it in more staff? And we just took over Oliver's Pizza, which is pretty time-consuming as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like, make the pizza dough every day. Like, to So I'm a little bit... We are a little bit everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Yeah, and yeah. it was pretty hard. It, it looks like you're not describing a chef anymore. You're just an entrepreneur. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm curious, like, let's say you come up, you want to, let's say, introduce a New Year dish. It's not happening, but like imagine that you're gonna have one. Like how much effort it takes from you to put these whole things up and then make it accessible as well to the audience and promote it and make the whole recipe and everything. Like how much effort it takes uh, one initiative if, uh, like that. If, uh, if you add one item, first you have to source the good item, the good product, fresh product. Then you have to try to cook it. So to find the balance in your recipe. Then you have to build the process to f- yeah. see if it's suitable f- with the kitchen. Once it's okay, you have to make your cost. But then, then kitchen part is done. But you have to start the marketing. You have to give away some food so people can start to try to, to find if there's a real need. And if you have good feedbacks, then you have to correct the recipe again. And then you launch it. And I think it takes around a month. Yeah, it sounds like Roughly a, a yeah. month from from scratch if you have nothing. So, I have yeah. a question that when I talked to Will, he was very dedicated in growing the Vietnamese local force, like workforce, where like he loves to hire actual Vietnamese local and teach yeah. them to to grow. Is it still part of that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That we yeah. we we working on with locals only. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. it's, well, I'd say it's um, because we learn a lot from them, and they learn a lot from us. Mm-hmm. Our mindsets. And, uh, and sometimes they will find solutions to your problems that you will never come up with. This is why I love Vietnam. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're in Vietnam, so of course, yeah, just yeah. let's work with uh, Vietnamese. I mean, I mean like, so, like now it's FMB, like how you see yourself, like in terms of where you want to be 
let's say I don't know five ten years when you retire like how I don't know how you see yourself like uh, at some point I'll end up coming back in France like when I retire maybe like when I will be old And I uh, have my garden with my fruits and veggies. You're a romantic guy. Yeah. <laughs> But at the end, that's and all we want. <laughs> yeah. And have a small restaurant just serving like five, six people a day. But it turns out that for me to reach that goal, I need a lot of resources. Yeah. Experience first and yeah. some money. I'm still young, so I have yeah. time to do that. I don't project myself that much until like five, ten years. I really don't mm. know. I, I rather not have too much plans. Uh, I have a kind of final goal for my old days. Yeah, yeah. But sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you handle doubt? You must have some doubts. You must have some yeah, fear. Like you, you have to do deal with it. Like yeah. I, I doubt a lot. Like uh, why, why am I in Vietnam? Why, why am I doing <laughs> this? Like you're earning 200 euros, man. Like, <laughs> is it really worth it? Like. Yeah. And even when even more when we start Bento Bistro, like I spend a whole year without any salary, yeah, yeah. and I'm uh, just trying to survive. And I mean, so like there is not that question in your mind that goes, now that you have the experience in F&B, now that you see that you can run a kitchen, maybe you should go back to consulting, make the big money, <laughs> and then retire early. No, 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 no. Because even if you you make the the big money, yeah. uh, as you said, like you said, it's nah, it's. You you have that thing uh, being like an entrepreneur. Okay, yeah, you like yeah, the lifestyle. You like the lifestyle. Say it, you like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I like it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I think you walk this amount of time every day. You have to like it. You have to love it. Yeah, it has yeah. to be a part of you because otherwise, it really eats you. Like yeah. it's it's. So it's, okay, that's it's a very th- it's a very dangerous uh, <laughs> yeah. feel. Like you, if you have you doubt too much. People will see it, yeah. And uh, your food will uh, feel it. You you will feel it in your through your food and everything. You there will be something yeah, wrong. Sure. It's like it's weird. He, he's uh, even in your marketing. Like yeah, he's pushing, but he's not really doing marketing because maybe he's working a lot or maybe he doesn't uh, care. And see, you yeah. you have to love it uh, to you have to. It has to be a part of you if you really want to to yeah. make it grow. Yeah, and I, I want to know like because uh, we also talk about of course a lot of struggles like. What are the biggest highlights for you? But being in this business, like, what do you love the most? Uh, I guess it's when people eat the food and uh, they're happy, and they, mm. it's the first time they discover the the concept, and they're like, uh, they, they, you know, you, I'm at the bar like doing some stuff and hearing people say, oh wow, it's so good. It's like this very good moments in your everyday life, hearing people like enjoying your food. Yeah, it, it keeps you wanna keep going on. Yeah. yeah, that's very passionate, very beautiful, very romantic. <laughs> I, I I love it. I want to go back to one of the sentences that you said that if you don't keep a positive mind or you're not passionate, it will eat you. Yeah. But then it's also, how do you know if it's not eating you already? Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is <totally. laughs> no, you, you're thinking about it every day. You're, you're yeah. living it. It's uh. So when do you recognize, especially in FMB, and I'm going to ask those questions about self-care, balancing your life. How do you do? I mean, like, how do you recognize when the passion is burning you? Mm, you get moody. <laughs> I, I get really, really moody. Like even the smallest issues can make you twist and you're like, you go mad and you're like, okay, I, I need to, to calm down and just go have a coffee, man. Like, get a bit of rest and uh, it's going to yeah. be... So do you have like a, any type of system that go, okay, 
I'm gonna meditate. <laughs> I'm uh, gonna do some yoga. <laughs> recently, I got a smartwatch, yeah, which gives me my BPM. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and now, when it goes too high, I take a rest. Like <laughs> I, I just That's uh, a good one. when uh, I'm a bit too like in a bad mood, I have to stay here. Uh-huh. Like uh, I just go to a coffee, have a drink. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like relax a little bit and get back to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to find balance, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you have to do it yeah. for for the sake of the business. Did you, did, when you were a consultant, you also had a pretty intense life. So did you have any systems at that point in place, or you no, never? No, no, no. <laughs> it, it was another type of intense life. It was, yeah, it wasn't intense. No, yeah, yeah. The the work wasn't that intense, yeah. uh, but my lifestyle was like okay. uh, partying a lot and yeah. going out and meeting yeah. people. So yeah. it was different. Yeah. Like uh, even I, I was tired because I was going out and doing a party until 3, 4 a.m., yeah. whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> now it's another kind of exhaust. Uh, yeah, a, like a uh, tiredness. Yeah. yeah. I see. I guess it's this life is still more fun than being an engineer. <laughs> yeah. It, it, anyway, it's way more fun than being in an office. <laughs> you know, I'm driving around, I'm yeah. serving everything. Oh, okay, 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 I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, in the end, it's nice because you're surrounded by people, not only customers, but by your staff, and you create mm-hmm. bones. Yeah. And uh, it's really interesting because, uh, as you said, when I came back in Vietnam, I, I, I was working with only Vietnamese mostly, mm-hmm. and I was being paid the, their wage so i was yeah. going out with them and try to discover a bit how they live and how they really live with that amount of money actually which is uh very low yeah even for locals and, yes and uh, so it creates bones and it makes me realize a lot of stuff about the life here and how it goes you can really go through like extreme poverty to like extreme wealth in vietnam yeah. in like one second like from a building to another you you can see everybody's living together but uh yeah, 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 yeah. it's uh there's still a lot of social differences in the yeah. country so yeah. yeah we we are proud to, to work with our staff and it, it's something that uh, you wouldn't have in france i guess yeah is yeah. that one of the one of the the impact that you want to have yeah definitely in, uh, here in, in vietnam yeah we well, we're, I guess we're really caring about our stuff, about mm-hmm. what they think. And uh, it's pretty new to them. Uh, we really push them to tell us uh, what they think, mm-hmm. their opinion, uh, if something's wrong, if something's right. It's pretty new for them because, you know, with Will, we're pretty young. And it's not like the old management style, yeah, I'd yeah, say. Yeah. Like, uh, we, we like to dig problems. <laughs> okay, <laughs> why are you looking sad like that today? Like, tell me. And, uh, you know, we try to, to understand uh, what's going on and to ask their opinion about uh, things mm. and choices we're doing. Even if we're doing those choices, it's nice to understand yeah. the point of view. That's, that's, a good, that's good management, usually, when you, when you have that position of mentorship, too. And like, you know, a little bit of ad- advisor, it's very good to have. And then we were pretty lucky to have those stuff as well. We can really trust them. And, uh, you know, they were with us uh, since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And they were with us through lockdown. Yeah. Uh, so we they know we all suffer. And uh, so we're in the same boat, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess, like, you know, with the level of care that you showed to them, that's why they stayed. So that's good. That's yeah. Good. Also in Vietnam, like, I imagine if you want to have a business, it's better to go know the local rules the mm-hmm. local way of living yeah. like the older black market and then underground <laughs> system <laughs> for connections if you need something it's 
as you said, like it's so much easier to to know someone who knows someone, and that person knows someone, <laughs> <laughs> and even to get something cheaper as well. So how do you make time for yourself in FMB? <laughs> <laughs> You give, you give time to your staff, you mentor them, you give time to your partner. You're in a relationship right now too. Yeah. How do you make time for you? It's hard. Yeah. It's, it takes time to build. Like you have to force yourself to give yourself free time. Yeah. Like now I'm working more during daytime and we're just taking part, t- taking care of the nighttime. But in the end, the, you know, there's a, a part of the day where we both need to be here because this is the moment when everybody's everybody else is working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like offices and everything, legal, accountant. You, we, we have to. But to be honest, it was a very rough month. I barely had three times since the reopening. Yeah, because yes, sure. anyway, we had three months of break, so I got yeah, time yeah. for myself. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and right now, I'm, I'm going in holidays in in one week. Are you going on holidays? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, yeah. Before Tets, because I'm going to work for Tets. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. It's better to get a bit of rest before yeah, yeah. going back and have some stuff, but disconnect a little bit. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's important. Small moments in the day, like allow yourself two, three hours of break just to have lunch, uh, to have a coffee with yeah. seeing other people, just to get out of this and get yeah, back yeah. into it. And you're more efficient that way because you have less time to work. So you have to work faster. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you put pressure on yourself. <laughs> so it's more stressful at the time, but uh, at the time, my girlfriend is helping me a lot to find balance. Yeah. Like she's telling me, okay, come home to, it's, it's like midnight, 1 a.m. Like uh, come home, it's okay, you do it tomorrow or whatever. Mm, yeah. um, or we, and in the end, I walk in the bar, you know. Yeah. So if I want to relax, uh, it's not that uh, yeah. complicated. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How do you how do you avoid the excess of having a bar? <laughs> do you do you avoid the excess of having a bar? <laughs> uh, it was a tough month. <laughs> It's a, it's a rhetorical question, do I see? We try to limit ourselves at some point. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it's a question that I ask Will, because yeah. it's, like, it's hard. Working in F&B, being the owner of a place like this, it's, it's, a, it's a networking thing, it's a connection yeah. thing. So you must have people who's like, yeah, let me buy you a drink, or you're buying a drink, and then you're at like five drinks down, you're getting that buzz, and then you, yeah. and Will was like, I wake up the next morning, and I was like, fuck, I didn't plan to drink. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to avoid, like, you know, or to dodge yeah. those things. So you have to be... It, it really depends uh, on the days. Usually, in I think we will we'll sell the same. We say the same. It's like uh, we don't drink on weekends yeah. because it's pretty busy. We have to work and uh, it's still our workplace. Uh-huh. But during the the weekdays, it's harder, you know. It's a bit more <laughs> quiet, and you know, oh, just a glass of wine and another another oh, and what's going on. And but yeah, we now that we have all those new processes and creating our company, we have some task that needs us to be here yeah, at yeah. some hours, so we get more responsible. I'm always <laughs> interested to know because I'm I, I have an addictive personality. Obviously, I was addicted mm-hmm. to drugs, so. For me, it's always like interesting to see. No, but so. the thing is, at some point, if you have to wake up, and you wake up, and and you're very hungover, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. I feel terrible. Like you can do it once, twice, but after that, like, no, I don't want yeah. to be like this anymore. Like, yeah. and it's you and yourself. You're like, no, 
So you are aware of your body limitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> and now we, we have a lack of sleep and everything. There's so many other issues that makes us yeah. tired. Yeah. That adding just alcohol and everything see, is, yeah. is just like, yeah, sometimes you need just a, just a drink and mm. you go home. Any other question? Do you have uh, money? No, I just like liked how you got into F&B and I, I hope other people are also going to do mm-hmm. it in uh, such a free and fun way yeah. rather than education. <laughs> no. Yeah, people ask me uh, why I didn't go to school to have some to learn some basis and stuff. But like in the end, I, I got some friends who did some F&B schools, and they told me, "Yeah, you learn some basis, but in the end, yeah, where exactly. they learned the most was yeah. in the kitchen, and so, uh, you have to do it too." So if you go to Japan, because I th- I know you have that idea, would you go into a kitchen again, being a line cook and being paid the minimum salary of Japan? Would you do that again? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I'm really not sure. I don't know. To be honest, I mean, maybe by curiosity for six months, if yeah, I can yeah. allow myself financially to do it, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not about being paid the minimum wage. It's yeah. more about what you can, what experience you can take out of it. Yeah, yeah. If you if you like paid lots of money, you stay like one year there, but you learn nothing. And then you lose your time. Yeah. And this is something you cannot buy. Yeah. So I'm really greedy on time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's very true. Yeah, that's this the is... the only thing uh, you can buy, yes. Yeah. All right. That's about it. Do you have anything else to say? <laughs> no, not that not much. Good. It's like it's time for you to shine for the audience, asking <laughs> them anything in case okay. if you want. Order some bento. Order <laughs> <laughs> some bento. You, you also have Oliver's Pizza now. We yeah, didn't talk we, about we, this so much, but you took it over. Yeah, we took over Oliver's Pizza on the 1st of December. Mm-hmm. So basically the, the owners were going back in France. Yeah. And they wanted to to le- to give the legacy of it to some people that will keep doing the same project. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, Will and I really liked the pizza and uh, we're on the same streets. Yeah. Business were next to each other and... Uh, I was like, okay, let, let, let's do it. It's a business that works already. It's already set up for more than six years. Uh-huh. And uh, so we, we took over. They taught us everything, the recipes, how to do it, all the process. And uh, yeah, it's going on well. It was uh, a skill that I really wanted to learn uh-huh. uh, <laughs> doing pizza. So Because now uh, I will never be jobless. <laughs> 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 if anything happened uh, I can make some pizza yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and this is something universal you know yeah, like yeah. everybody loves pizza yeah exactly uh, so it's a very different type of business than uh, Bento Bistro for example yeah yeah you have this is more particular pizza talks to everywhere in the yeah, world yeah, yeah. it's like burgers sure. and all those things this this stretch of uh, Fam Viet Chan is, is becoming very hype yes. we'll, we'll put all the links so you have so obviously Lou Bar, yeah. which hosts Bento Bistro. Yes. And then uh, just around the corner over there is Oliver's Pizza, yes. also with you now. Yeah. It's been great to interview you and it's been it's actually been great to interview now the the team because Will and, and you have been in, in business for a year. So it's really interesting to like, you know, I think back of his episode. You, you just had decided about the name Bento Bistro oh. and then to see it like, you know, 11 months after and how it's it has grown and to, to know a little bit about the backstory. Very interesting. So thank you so much for sharing all of this. Thanks for you. Yeah, yeah. thanks so much. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Creators in Vietnam. 
If you like this episode, become a part of our mission to inspire others by leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcast. Also by sharing this episode with your friends on social media. This one small act can truly make a difference in someone's life. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and see you next time.